Friends, we are grateful to be able to come together, even in this small way, over the internet. And in this difficult time where we can't meet, where increasing restrictions seem to come by the day, and where increasing stories of worry um, and fear also seem to penetrate our imagination. Uh, We have the opportunity this morning to center ourselves in scripture, to center ourselves in a way of reflecting on who we are as human beings and centering ourselves in the promise that in every situation that we face, expected or unexpected, that in some way God is present and with us. And this I know can be very hard to make sense of during this time when we are limited from even coming together to worship. So friends, As we move into the text, I want to warn you that it's a long text, and so I invite you to find a place where you can sit and relax, Um, maybe clear out the cobwebs of all of the media and the news for just a short while, while we listen to our sacred text, the Gospel reading. It'll come from John 4 verses 5 to 42, and this is the story of the woman at the well. So let us make our way through the word of the Lord. Hear these words from the Gospel of John. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, Although it was not Jesus himself, but his disciples who baptized, he left Judea and he started back up to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. And it was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you the living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? And Jesus said to her, Everybody who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. 
The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming back here to draw water. Jesus said, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said, You're right in saying that you have no husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. For you worship what you do not know, and we worship what we know, but salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ, and when he comes, he will proclaim all of these things to us. Jesus said, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came, and they were astonished that he was speaking with the woman, but no one said, what, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? And then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. And she said to the people, come and see a man who has told me everything that I have ever done. He can't be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more and then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reap. And I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of this word. And they said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the savior of the world. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
I want to take a moment to let that text sink in and to do just a little bit of reflection on the text that we have for us today. Because we are given this text on this particular day, in a way I wonder, because both Jesus and the woman find themselves in a very odd situation that defies social convention. Noon was the warmest time of the day. It was not the time of the day for social gathering. So when both Jesus and the woman arrive at the well, they do not come expecting a normal social convention. And it's here outside of their regular social habits, almost separated from their regular social habits, that they are able to meet each other for real. And their meeting seems to defy any sort of ordinary encounter. Now that they're both out of their usual social constructions and conventions, a conversation that maybe in the evening when all the women were gathering at the well would have gone in one direction, now because they're out of those social conventions, it turns immediately towards something more. It becomes quickly a conversation about personal stories, about meaning, about God, and about how hard it is to make sense of all of those theological pieces about God across the human story. And it seems that in this text, it's so interesting to notice that neither person drives or pushes the conversation. And in fact, in the Eastern tradition, this woman at the well is venerated and she's called a saint. Her name is Saint Fotini, which just means the luminous one. And she's venerated as a theologian. And you can look up, if you want, the icon of Jesus and the woman at the well There's much artwork that has been done around this particular story. And in the artwork, one of the things that you'll notice is that across human history, as this story has been recorded, that here in the depictions, we see two humans who are face to face looking together at each other and not only examining their lives as creatures of matter, but also examining their lives as creatures of spirit. Because this is at the end of the day where the text keeps taking us. It keeps taking us from a very common location, which is the well, uh, where much social, social gathering would have happened. And here at a different time of day, all of a sudden the well becomes the place where Jesus is able to have a conversation with another person about the landscape of the spirit. And as they both enter into this conversation about the landscape of the spirit, they discuss perspectives from their own side of the story, the Samaritan and the Jew And as the woman keeps recounting and listening to the different parts of her own story and asking questions of Jesus that might seem silly to us, 
Jesus in the face of her existential and deep questions and theological questions keeps showing up and listening and challenging and pushing her to see more. And so as I think about this text, I wonder why this text for today, why a text about encounter when encounter is exactly what we cannot do? Why a text about social connection when that is something that we're limited from as well? We can't seem to do any of these things right now, and I recognize that all of us, to some degree, are struggling and maybe even just breaking at the seams just a little bit. We move back and forth between being afraid, maybe we're not sleeping that well, or maybe we've moved through our fear and we're just frustrated and angry and we're plain fed up with the whole thing And then as we go to the grocery store, something sets us on edge again. And maybe there are some of us who are in a place where we're trying to see the best in all of this and wondering how to join together and to find ways to help one another. And maybe there are some of us today who are actually the folks who need help and are not sure how they'll be able to get it. How do they reach out in a world that seems so shut down. And maybe in fact, we're all of these things all over the map, depending on whether it's morning or evening or the middle of the night, depending on which article we've read most recently or which mundane ordinary event seems to go apocalyptic on us this week. And from this space in our city, I want you to know that I feel all of these things too. One hour, I feel one way, and the next hour, I feel completely opposite. One moment, I feel calm and optimistic, and the next moment, I feel quite worried, scared, or even terrified. And as I have put myself in conversation with the text for this week, one thing that is emerging for me is that I wonder if I too am the Samaritan woman. Just trying to get the well to the well alone, trying to mind my own business and follow the instructions, seeing myself as a person who needs to be isolated, both physically and spiritually, and moving to a place where I can ensure that isolation. But what we see in our text and what is hopeful for us to hold on to today is that in that place of social isolation, that Jesus is there too. That Jesus is there too. And in a sense, he sits there waiting knowing that he has had to give up all social conventions and all constructions in order to leave the further southern area of Judea and to make his way back up north. Uh, There's too much that is uh, dangerous for him down there. And so as he escapes up to the north, he finds himself in a place where he too is ready to encounter 
in such a way that is outside of our social boxes. And if I am willing to show up and to let my spirit have that encounter, then I can find a safe place, a safe well for my own fears and my own questions to come seeping out. I can find a safe place or a safe well for my practical fears, for my existential fears, for my present fear, for my future fears. And here in this flow, where I'm able to name my fears in the presence of Jesus, a living well can emerge within me. Because what Jesus tells Fotini, as she's known in the Eastern tradition, is that everything, as mundane as it seems, is the very ground of worship. You see, she gets confused too, and she says, well, we worship on this mountain, and and you worship in Jerusalem. And Jesus, outside of all social convention and construction, is able to say, the day is coming when neither one of those things is going to matter, and God wants us only to worship in spirit and in truth, meaning that we are invited from every location in which we stand into the space of worship. And that is so important for us to remember at a time when we are not able to gather with traditional public worship. But our gospel text reminds us that worship is not limited to our presence within the sanctuary. That worship instead is an encounter between us and Jesus And here, in this text, it comes in the most unlikely place. In a place where the woman is trying to escape all human contact. In a place where the woman, perhaps, is trying to get away from those that she regularly interacts with. And it's in that space that Jesus meets her. And it's in that space that he calls that encounter worship. And it's important to know that worship doesn't make everything better. Even in this text, what we see is that worship becomes the space where this woman is able to bring her broken history, where she is able to encounter the pieces of her lives of her life that didn't add up and the pieces of her community's life that didn't add up. She talks about the lament, or not the lament, but the complication of being a Samaritan in a world where Samaritans and Jews were not able to interact with one another. She talks about the, her inability to make sense of how her people were forced to worship in one space while others were welcomed to worship in a different space. So as Jesus encounters her and calls this encounter that they have together worship, it doesn't make history go away. In fact, it just brings it to light. And it makes it a safe place for us to 
release our existential fears and questions, the puzzles of our history that we have not been able to put together, the questions of meaning about how something like this can happen in a world where we hope that there is some sort of arc of good within history. You see, all of those questions are welcomed into the landscape of worship. All of those questions are welcomed into this time of encounter between Jesus and the woman at the well. And so the invitation for us this week is to see ourselves as the woman, maybe afraid, maybe avoiding these questions, but to know that Jesus is there waiting for us to bring them, for us to share them, for us to let them be there, and for that encounter to be the space of worship. And I need to remind myself of this in the small hours of the night when I am with scared children who wonder when this will be over. I need to remind myself of this in evening hours when I speak with my dad who is unsettled about all the food that is flying off the shelves in San Francisco. I need to remind myself of this during the day when the community is trying to pull together to find ways to meet each other's needs in a way that is responsible and ethical and is connected to what the World Health Organization and the National Institute for Health is helping us to understand. I need to remind myself that worship is not just about our public gatherings, but it is the ground that we walk on. Because the ultimate invitation that Jesus gives us in this text is to understand our lives as not mere matter, and not to diminish or um, minimize matter in any way. In fact, it's just the opposite. But that matter is the place where God has chosen to place the Spirit. And the Spirit is none other than the Spirit of God who looked death in the eye and proceeded forward in courage and in love. And this is the Spirit that we have inherited through the person of Jesus. This is the Spirit that we have the opportunity to encounter as we take all of our fears and wonderings into a worshipful, prayerful space with Jesus. And this is our gritty hope as people of faith, not that things are going to turn out okay, because the reality is is that we just don't know at this point, but that we will continue to turn out for each other and that we will continue to hold hope that in every odd encounter that we have that Jesus is there waiting for us to wonder waiting for us to share our fears 
and using that time to call forth within us a living well that transcends everything that's going on here so that we will know that through all things we are connected to the Spirit of God. Friends, let us join together in prayer. Gracious God, we think today of our medical teams in Italy, our World Health Organization and its leaders. We ask for mercy and for guidance and for tenacity and for strength and courage. We continue to pray for the hospital workers at Evergreen, at Swedish Harborview, Virginia Mason, and others that are continuing and starting to put in, to put practices into place to prepare for what it could be that might be coming to our city. We pray also for the family members of the victims of the virus at Evergreen who are not able to be with their loved ones during this time of crisis. And we pray for the victims themselves who are in isolation, who are separate from human contact, and who are working in that space to be as brave as they can. May your spirit enter into their isolation. We pray for the school district workers who are making every effort to ensure that our families are cared for, for our food bank workers, especially for the Ballard Food Bank, which continues to be depleted during this time. We pray for Bill and Melinda Gates and the Gates Foundation as they work tirelessly to ensure that there are more sites and opportunities for testing. We pray for the University of Washington and the data scientists of the flu study. And we also pray for those within our own congregation that are feeling out of touch and worried, those within our own congregation that are dealing with sickness of any kind, those that are showing up at work every day doing the best they can to ensure safe practices. We pray for those who are fearful of their own economic investments at this time. And we pray also for those who are working day to day to survive in a time of unparalleled uncertainty. We pray for those within our community and we ask that you would help us to process through our own worries and fears and bring us to a space of encounter, just like this text does today. We offer all of these prayers as we say together the Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen, friends. Next week, Lord willing, we'll be able to put our service on a live stream through Facebook. There'll be more in updates about that through email as this week unfolds. And I want to assure you that we're doing the best that we can to get everybody on board. Um, 
any resources um, and communications that we have, and you will have noticed that that's why this week we sent out um, a mailing to everybody on our mailing list in an effort to make sure that even folks who are not connected online um, are able to hear from us and know that we are working hard to find ways uh, to bring our community together. We continue to live in the reality that we will not be able to meet for the near future. And we need to begin to prepare for the reality that we will not be able to meet during Holy Week. We are not confirming this yet, but we do need to begin to prepare for that. We will follow closely to all of the guidelines that are in place. We'll listen to what it is that's going on in and around us through as many channels as we can. And we will try to find safe ways to bring our community together, recognizing that we cannot risk any social gatherings um, that might put an extra strain on our hospitals. Our medical workers need us right now more than ever to follow the instructions that have been given to us by our state leaders. And so, friends, I ask you to do everything that you can to put those practices in place. Social isolation is exhausting. It only works to hype our fear and I am experiencing that myself but this is a time when we need to examine data and let science lead the way and the data and the science is leading us to see that we need to stay in social isolation so given the fact that that is what we will be doing I can let you know that we will also do everything that we can to find ways to connect online and to connect through mail and to do everything that we can do to reach out to one another while caring for our medical workers in the middle of all of this. Friends, my heart is with you. I am with you. And I know that each of us is with one another. I have no doubt that our community is coming together in spirit. And so as we listen to these resources today, let us imagine the circle of our community. Each one of us holding in the imaginary hand of the other. And let us continue to lift each other up in spirit and in truth, knowing that public gatherings do not limit our worship, but worship is in every part of what it means to be human. More to come. <laughs>